Listen, guys, I'm excited tonight because I, I really believe uh, the Lord wants to do something in our lives tonight. And, and here's the thing. It's really cool. Um, there's a scripture that says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm going to show up and be in their midst too. That's the PAV, the Pastor Adam version. And tonight, I just want to say, man, God is in this place. And uh, He wants to do something cool in our lives. He wants to speak to us through His Word. And here's the, the awesome thing. No matter how uh, I'm judged tonight for how I do or don't speak, God's Word is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's eternal. It's a double-edged sword. And it's going to speak into our lives. Whenever this thing is opened, it's going to change our lives. Amen? So um, let's, uh, let's, let's start just with a, a prayer. We're going to jump right in tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy. And God, we just hide ourselves tonight, especially me, in the shadow of your cross. God, hide us in the shadow of that incredible, powerful, sorrowful cross. Lord, you had to die for us but all the life we have because of it. The doorway that was opened, the veil was torn, and we can come to You confidently tonight. It's because of that cross that we're hiding in today that we can stand here and proclaim that You're holy. And so we thank You for it. We thank You for the Word of God. We thank You for the time of worship tonight that has saturated our hearts to receive what you want to do in them tonight. So we open our hearts and say, God, would you speak to us? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Uh, Two weeks ago, I went with some of our teenagers to participate in something called the Chambersburg Project. Um, And what that was, it's a multi-denominational event. It's an outreach um, in Chambersburg, if you didn't guess. And... uh, we, we were a part of 215 teenagers and 100 adults, and we participated in 80, roughly 80 different service projects throughout Mercersburg, Waynesboro, Greencastle, and Chambersburg. And, and uh, our team particularly, we were set originally just to, to tear a porch apart and restart it and, and redo it from, you know, from scratch. And, and uh, they told us that was going to take all week, and we got it done in a day and a half. So they had to kind of sick us on a few different projects throughout the week, but I went into it with a lot of fear and trepidation, because if you know me for more than five minutes, you know that I am not what you'd call a handyman. I have very little confidence in that arena. Um, uh, I had to, I didn't know, I just learned something the other day about a faucet, if you want to take the little thing off that kind of filters the water, you have to turn it the other direction, it's not righty-tighty, it's righty-loosey, lefty-tighty. I didn't know that. I'm like stripping the thing. I'm, my dad, I was like, can you help me? He just, in five seconds, he put it all back together and, and made me look so skilled. And so, going into the Chambers of Project, I was afraid. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know the difference between a joist uh, and uh, some other fancy words. I do now. Yes, Whoo! But going into it, I had no idea what a joist was. I knew the phrase, just didn't know what it meant. I thought I, thought I was going to have to walk around saying phrases I didn't know. Yeah, joist that. 
Joyce the Joyce, that's what you do. You know? So we go into it, and, and to, to um, just reveal to me again that the Lord really thinks I'm awesome and sent a contractor to lead our team. And so we didn't have any issues. He's teaching me how to use a saw, you know, like, you know, straight line. All right, here we go. And all sorts of, you know, safety things because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and we ended up getting three jobs done. We got two jobs on our own, and then they called us with half a day left to finish someone else's job because they were having trouble with it. We were the go-to team. We went from being fear and uncertainty to absolutely being probably one of the best carpentry teams there. It was awesome. Thanks to Matt Nolt, who was our contractor and, and head. But I, I was worried that we'd get anything done at all. And we've all been there, haven't we? Moments in life that present themselves where either void of confidence or severely lacking it. And if you're anything like the average individual, there are moments we go through where we just wished I had more confidence. And so, would you like to have more confidence? I know I would. And I'm going to share with you some information and, and, and a message contributed by Dr. David Dykes. And, and uh, he talks, he does a whole series called um, Hope for the Cracked Pots. And, and uh, we're going to get a lot of information from him. And it's just, uh, the good news is he got all his info from the Bible, so it works out really well. And, um, but uh, we're going to discover the secret for total confidence tonight. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. If you're taking notes, the title of the message is simply The Secret for Total Confidence. I love to golf. I can't call myself a golfer, but I like to golf. Anyone else bearing witness to that? Uh, some people like to shoot the lowest score possible. I figure if I've paid the greens fees, I should get my money's worth, and I want to see the whole fairway and beyond. That's, that's you know... I, I, I pity the people that shoot, you know, really low scores. You didn't see the course. I, I paid the same amount as you, and I saw twice as much. And so I can relate to this story about a golfer. And, and as the story goes, there was a golfer who didn't have much confidence. Amen. I don't even use my driver anymore. I just, you know, have it in the bag because it looks cool. And so this golfer, he came to a hole that was divided by a water hazard. And if you're not sure what that is, it's just a lot of water that separates you. And most people end up in the water. That's why it's a water hazard. And he really didn't think he could carry his shot all the way over the water. So he dug around in his bag and he teed up the dirtiest, rattiest, most scuffed up ball he could find. And as I read this story, I was going, man. And, and, and as, he, as he did, he heard a voice from heaven saying, use a new ball. It's never happened to me on a golf course, but it happened to this man, and he looked up in the sky and he said, what? And again, the voice boomed from heaven, use a new ball. So he's got chill bumps running down his spine, and he takes the old ball and puts it in his pocket, brings out a brand new ball, a Titleist Pro-V. And with confidence brimming about him, he stepped up and he took a practice swing. And his practice swing was the ugliest swing you could imagine. If you know anything about golf, his swing made Charles Barkley look like Tiger Woods. And after his horrific practice swing, the voice boomed from heaven again. Use the other ball! You guys will catch up. There you go. Confidence is nice. 
but so is skill. I watched a video of Michael Jordan on YouTube the other day, and weren't able to get a hold of it, but I'll tell you that it is one of the most amazing 11-second videos I've seen in my life. With only a few seconds left in the game, standing on the free throw line is Michael Jordan. And if you know anything about basketball, a lot of basketball players like to trash talk to each other, and there's a player by the name of Dikembe Mutombo who was standing just out on the, on the side of the, the court, and he's heckling Jordan. He just kind of looks at him, and, he's, and you just you don't hear, but you see him say, this one's for you. And he closes his eyes, shot the shot, and nothing but net. That is confidence backed up by skill. You see, there's so many books available designed to help you gain confidence. This week I did a search. I went to Amazon.com and I just typed in the words confidence and self-help. And it it brought back to my search 18,539 books that were returned to me that were going to be about self-esteem and self-confidence. Here's some of the titles. These are real titles of real books. Self-esteem, a proven program of cognitive techniques for assessing, improving, and maintaining your self-esteem. All right, I feel more confident. There was another one called Building Self-Confidence for Dummies. There was one called What's Holding You Back? 30 Days to Having the Courage and Confidence to Do What You Want, Meet Whom You Want, and Go Where You Want. And the last one gave me a little bit of a pause. This one I thought was interesting. Your Power Within. Self-confidence through hypnosis. Does it come with a pocket watch or just hang it? And I didn't understand that. But you, self-confidence through hypnosis. And, and, and truth be told, I don't know all there is to know about confidence. But I know a God who wrote a book that we lovingly call the Bible. And I believe contained in the pages of his book is the secret for total confidence. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 4 through 6. This is what Paul has to say. He says, Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Paul's talking about confidence. I think if we're going to talk about confidence, we have to kind of identify what confidence is. Dictionary.com tells us this, it's full trust. Belief in the powers, trustworthiness, or reliability of a person or thing. It also said it's belief in oneself or one's powers or abilities. Self-confidence, self-reliance, assurance. And and I read those and I wasn't really a fan of of what they said. And and I found another definition um, from Dr. Dykes and it said this. He says, confidence is the courage to approach a challenge with the certainty that you can accomplish it successfully. Confidence is the courage to approach a challenge with the certainty that you can accomplish it 
successfully. I, I like that. Basically, he's saying confidence says, I can do it! I can do it! And we all need confidence. And God is wanting us to discover that confidence to do and to be the man or woman of God he's called us to be. God wants us to have the confidence that when he's called us for a purpose, he's called us for a destiny, that we can say, I can do it. And so we're going to start with identifying what confidence is not, and then we're going to walk through what total confidence means for us as Christ's followers. So number one, don't trust self for confidence. That's the first thing we've got to understand is, is don't trust self for confidence. If you listen to even the titles of some of the books we identified, they'll, they'll tell you that they'll communicate the importance of self-confidence. But as believers, I believe Scripture tells us that our confidence comes from an altogether different source. See, Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, we're called to deny our self-life. The essence of sin makes us selfish. I, I, I see it in myself all the time. Because I was born with the instinct to put myself at the center of everything I do. I've noticed that. I think the Lord gave me my wife because she's so not selfish. She's incredibly other-centered. I think the Lord blessed me with her to kind of give me a constant reminder of what it is not to be selfish. The Lord was like, oh, Adam, you need help. Let's send you Jennifer. <laughs> but I see, I see myself as being selfish all the time. And that's, that's why I think self is a very interesting definition. Does anybody know what self stands for? It stands for Satan's exact location forever. Self. And you see, there are two extremes of the self-life that we're called not only to recognize, but to resist. I think the first thing we have to do is avoid the danger of self-promotion. That's the belief that you have the resources to do whatever you attempt. We've seen the infomercials. Be the best you you can be. The power is in you. And see, the world values that type of confidence. They want you to do like Stuart Smalley did in the Saturday Night Live skits back in the 90s. If you've ever seen Stuart Smalley, he would come out in a you know, blue shirt and a yellow sweater, and he'd stand in front of a mirror, and he would look at it and say, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. And that's really... That's really what the world says is the ultimate for self-confidence. I, I want no part of that. Now, the Bible does teach us to have a healthy self-image and that we're to love others as we love ourselves. I need to learn to love me. Okay, so hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying we need to degrade ourselves. Because if I don't love me, my neighbor has it really bad. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't love you, your neighbor's got it rough. But we have to guard against the other side of that, and that is we have to guard against the, the summer crush. And what I mean by that is this. It's not a summer crush. You really are in love with yourself. Um, someone who looks in the mirror singing, How great thou art, is probably not what we're going for here. 
But, but we know that we have to rely on Christ to do some of the things he's called us to do. That's how he receives the glory. He's constantly calling us to do things that are beyond us so that we'll rely on him for the resources to make it a possibility. God called me to be a youth pastor, and I remember telling him, Lord, I can't do that. The obvious was, duh, I know, that's why I called you. (laughs) I picked you because you couldn't do it without me. And so he's constantly calling us to do things that without him we would fail. Philippians 3.3 says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Jesus Christ, and put no confidence in the flesh. See, we've got to avoid the danger of self-promotion. There's no confidence in the flesh. All the confidence is in the one who called us according to his purposes and for his glory. And so the the other extreme of that, however, is that we have to avoid the deception of self-protection. You see, some of us, we can't relate to the self-promotion thing. I'm not a self-promoter, but some of us can be caught in the trap of self-degradation. Rather than deifying self, sometimes we denigrate ourselves and then call it humility. I'm nothing, I'm nobody, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms. Big ones, small ones, fat ones, tall ones, guess I'll go eat worms. That's not humility, that's just poor posture. And sometimes we never attempt anything for God because of the fear that if we fail, our self will be wounded. So we do everything we can to protect ourselves. And here's how we package it. Well, I could never talk to anyone about my faith. I'm too shy. That's it. I'm just too shy. What we mean is, I'm so in love with myself, I don't want to be rejected and have myself be hurt. So 2 Timothy first one, uh, verse one, chapter 1, verse 7 says this. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. In other words, God doesn't want you to be inhibited by self, but rather inhabited by His Holy Spirit. And so don't be so caught up in trying to protect yourself and wrapping it up in humility. God's given you a spirit, not of fear, not of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Don't be inhibited by yourself. Be inhabited by His Spirit. And so we know what confidence is not. It's not self-promotion. It's not self-protection. But what is the biblical pattern of confidence? It begins right here with this uh, second point. Trust Christ for your total confidence. See, one one thing is for sure. You can't have confidence if you have poor self-esteem. And and understand, self-esteem simply means, really, that's just a fancy way of saying, how do I see myself? Self-esteem. If I don't have a good self-esteem... I can't have confidence. But as you learn to see yourself for who you really are, you've got to know confidence doesn't come from what others think about you. See, some people live with the pressure to please others. It's known as being a people pleaser. But as Bill Cosby once said, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. You see, each of us at one time or another has wondered when we entered a room of people and they were talking if they were talking about us, haven't we? We've all done that. Were they talking about me? What were they saying? Did they notice I accidentally put a black sock and a blue sock on? I'm wearing black shoes and a brown belt. Did they notice? I wonder if they could tell I didn't brush. 
But you know what they were all talking about and thinking about? Themselves. They were thinking about the same thing you were thinking about. What do they think about me? He just walked in the room. Was he thinking about me? Was he thinking? We are. We think about ourselves, and we put way too much stock in what others think of us. Because they're not thinking about you, anyways. They're thinking about themselves. That's that's why one of the greatest decisions we'll ever make is whether we'll please people or our heavenly Father. Galatians 1.10 shows us that Paul had to deal with the same issue. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And so we've got to choose who we're going to please. We've got to come to the place where we just decide, I'm not worried about pleasing people. Because as Bill Cosby said, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. So choose who you're going to please, but also know that confidence comes from knowing who you are in Christ. This morning I was, I was talking with our, our, our student and, and adult leaders and we were dissecting the anatomy of a leader. What is the anatomy of a leader? And one of the things that we, we decided upon was that a leader has to be vision-focused, not crowd-driven. Because if you need the approval of others, you'll never lead them anywhere. And so I taught them this little phrase, if you need them, you can't lead them. Anyone whose approval I need, I'll never lead them anywhere. Because I'll be afraid that if I cross any lines and call them to account to live a holy life, that if they leave me, I've lost them. What do I do? And so we've got to be vision-focused, having a vision of who we are in Christ rather than being crowd-driven. It's about position in Him, not pleasing them. It's about your position in Him. The healthiest image you'll ever have of you is when you see yourself as God sees you. And that's summed up in two words. In Christ. You see, God sees you in Christ. Paul used this phrase, in Christ, 93 times in his letters. Think of Noah. He was in the ark. He was safe. Think of it like that. See, you're in Christ you have total security and confidence in Him. And, and, and understand this. Noah might have fallen down in the ark, but he never fell out of it. Because I think it comes back to understanding spiritual sonship. Your position in Him doesn't change because of a misstep in your walk with Him. You don't stop being a son of God simply because of a misstep. You need to look at yourself as who you are now in Christ. You see, that I think one of the greatest tools or tricks of the enemy is to get you to see yourself as you were, not as you've become, and not as you are becoming. And I think part of that is, is something the Lord's working in my heart that he's been teaching me, and that's this. He didn't just free you from something, he freed you for something. And so start looking at yourself as you really are, and that's how you are in Christ. Ephesians 3.12 says, Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. You see, in Christ, we have the confidence to visit the Creator of the universe without feeling nervous or intimidated. Think about it. I can go into the presence of the very God who simply said water and there was water without any fear or trepidation. That's confidence. 
And you see, tonight, instead of self-affirmations, they, that's kind of the thing with a lot of these self-help, self-confidence things, just affirm yourself. You know, we're going to learn some in-Christ affirmations tonight. First of which is this. You've got to be able to remind yourself constantly, I am deeply loved by the Creator. That is a truth that should change your total perspective on life. Because not only do you have access to the Creator, you are loved by Him. And see, we're all looking for love and acceptance. Every one of us is looking for love and acceptance because everyone wants to feel like they're liked. One of the tools I use in youth ministry is that I just pretend somebody likes me because eventually they will. When I meet someone brand new, I just pretend like they like me because eventually they're going to because everybody likes to feel liked. Am I being fake? No. I'm just bringing my responses to a place that my emotions eventually are going to get. That's not being fake. That's being real. And see, we all look for love and acceptance. It's something we're all driven for. And God says we're accepted among the beloved. I mean, God goes so far to love you as much as he loves Jesus. Did you realize that? John 17, 23, Jesus prayed this prayer. May they experience such perfect Unity, there's that word unity again from this morning. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That was Jesus' prayer. Would they just realize, God, Heavenly Father, that they love you as much as you love me? That you love them as much as you love me? You are loved that deeply by God. It is said that He loves us unconditionally. He doesn't change us so that He can love us. He loves us so that He can change us. We're children of the King. Welcome to the family. So your first affirmation is in Christ is, I am deeply loved by the Creator. Second one is this, I am righteous in Christ. If you've ever heard the word saint used to describe someone, often it carries a sense of the super-Christian who was died and honored by the church. But Scripture actually says that you and I are all considered saints. When the saints go marching in, you're counted among them. And, and, and don't try that false humility stuff we talked about. It's not about what you used to be. It's about what you've become in Christ. You're no longer a sinner, but you are a saint who has been transformed by the renewing of your spirit. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's one of Paul's in Christ statements, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Stop looking at yourself through old eyes. You're brand new in Jesus. You're in Christ now, and that makes you righteous. And so your second affirmation in Christ is this, I am righteous in Christ. When he says, I forgave you, he also forgot the offense. Never to bring it up again. When he says, see, there's something I've, I've kind of caught on to, and I'm starting to catch in, in, in about God, is, is this, that when he says something, he, he means it. And he tends to follow through pretty well with what he says. And so when he says, I've forgiven you completely, he's forgiven you completely. The moment you repent, you're clean. It's like Pastor Joe says all the time, repentance is the greatest gift God could ever give the church. Your third affirmation is this, I have access to all of God's resources. And everyone in the house said, hallelujah. 
See, some of us are afraid that when we face a difficult situation, we won't have what it takes to get through. Let me reassure your fears you don't. If you're wondering if you have what it takes to get through a difficult circumstance, don't worry, you don't. At least not on your own. But in Christ, you, but Christ in you, the hope of glory, has the resources to meet any need, destroy any distractions, devour any negative developments, the power to heal any hurts, and the strength to carry you beyond your own abilities. That's Jesus. The one who has the cattle on a thousand hills, the one who holds the world, also holds your hand. That's why Philippians 4.19 said, My God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This is the very same God who said to Joshua, I I will give you every place you set your foot at just the right time, right when you need it, in His perfect timing. He will be there with all of the resources of heaven at your disposal. Some marine biologists put a pike in an aquarium with some minnows. And of course... The pike was a little bigger than the minnows. And he made quick work of the minnows for lunch. He had minnow sushi. Then they placed the minnows in in the tank, but they surrounded it by a clear glass cylinder. And the pike could see the minnows, but as hard as he tried, he couldn't get at them. And after several days, they just removed the cylinder. But the pike didn't eat them. There was nothing keeping him from his sustaining provision, but his faulty thinking kept him from enjoying minnow sushi. Eventually, the pike starved to death with the provision right in front of him for the taking. Don't be like the pike who thought he had no access to the provision that would meet his needs. You see, the enemy has told you there's a glass cylinder keeping you from God's provision, but it's not real. It's not there. It's a lie. So rejoice tonight because in Christ you have access to all of God's resources. And number four, The fourth affirmation in Christ I want you to make is this. I can do all things through Christ. As the worship team makes their way back, there is no single challenge in life that you'll face that God doesn't provide the resources necessary to overcome. That's why you can have confidence. Confidence in Christ and in Christ alone. Jesus said in John 15.5, Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's why Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things through Christ who strengthens me. What are our in Christ affirmations? I am deeply loved by the Creator. Maybe tonight that's where you're, you're getting hung up on. You're sitting here tonight and going, yeah, it sounds good on paper, but I just don't feel loved. Well, tonight's your opportunity to have that love affirmed. And let me just tell you, whether or not you feel God's love doesn't change the fact that He loves you. Unconditionally. It's often said that Right actions will lead to right feelings. Sometimes we're wait, we wait for feelings to lead us to right actions. We wait to feel God's love before we act on it. What if tonight, in the midst of searching for that love, saying, God, you really love me, you acted on it before you felt it? Because I promise you this, if you do, eventually you will come to that place where you feel His love. 
Second one, I am righteous in Christ. Maybe you've blown it somewhere tonight, and you know what? We all blow it. We all fall down in the ark, but thank you, God, we don't fall out of the ark. And when we fall down, we bump our spiritual knee, God, the loving Abba Daddy, is right there to pick us up. And He dusts us off. And when you know it, when He's the one that cleans you off, you're clean for good. Third one is, I have access to all of God's resources. Maybe tonight, you're like a lot of other Americans and you're feeling the pinch. God, I just don't have the resources. Where are you? God's saying, I've got the ability to meet all your needs according to my riches and glory. And so maybe tonight you're worried about finances and other, other, other areas of looking for resources and need, being needy. Listen, God's not put off by your neediness. Maybe tonight's your opportunity to lay it at His feet. You see, until you lay it down at His feet, it's hard for Him to do anything with it because God's a gentleman. You see, worry is, a, is an interesting thing. Worry takes God's ability to meet your needs and literally ties His hands behind His back. Because worry takes the situation out of God's hands and says, I, I can deal with that, God. I got it. Thank you. I know you're God, but I'll take care of it from here. And so maybe tonight is your opportunity to lay it back at His feet and say, God, my situation is in Your hands. Finally, I can do all things through Christ. God has called us, designed us for a specific purpose and a destiny in life. And if you're questioning that destiny tonight, let God reaffirm. In Christ, you can do all things. And so do you want self-confidence? Not, not in self, but in Christ, confidence. You see, we read tonight that we have confidence to approach Christ. And every one of us is at a different place. Something different that we address tonight. But, and tonight, the Lord may have spoken to you about finding confidence in Him. And so tonight, as a whole group, can I ask us all to stand? And can I ask us as a group to make our way to this altar space? And and don't kneel, but stand in His presence confidently. And let's worship together, pursuing God at His throne in confidence. So let me invite you to come to these altars. And let's worship confidently together. Amen.